those teen years are, are such a big time of discovering who you are, who you want to be in the world, how you want to show up in the world. And so any opportunity we can provide that's, um, you know, fairly safe for them to express their identity and their thoughts and opinions, even if that might change completely the next day, is such great practice and groundwork for them to start to really get to know who they are. You're listening to The Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's mental cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 220 of The Well Woman Podcast. We are chatting all about youth mentoring, menarche, and teen support in this episode with Amanda Rootsy. I'm so excited to have Amanda on the show. I've been following her journey over the last 10 years. Yes, can you believe it? 10 years. And I don't know why I hadn't actually asked Amanda to join us earlier on the show, but I'm so glad that I did. Amanda is the author of Shine From Within, A Teen Girl's Guide to Life by Hay House, a youth mentor and a certified life and business coach. Through her holistic training school in Australia, Shine From Within, Amanda has helped thousands of teens and tweens to develop their confidence and now trains adults around the world to be inspiring youth mentors through the award-winning online youth mentor training. And that's exactly what we're talking about in this episode. We're talking about youth mentorship and we dive into how we can really understand the journey of menstruation and being a teen tween through puberty. What do our teens actually need today? We talk a lot about the differences and the similarities around menarche and the other transitions of our life cycles that we experience as born menstruators and women. We also dive into how we can support young teens and tweens and how we can actually be mentors. What does mentoring actually look like? And circles, we actually dive in and really talk a lot about the women's circle and how maybe we can have family circles and what that can look like and how we can support our young teens and tweens with circles. Not to mention she gives us great tips on how to get started and much, much more. I trust you're going to enjoy this episode as much as I did. I really had an amazing time chatting to Amanda and I'm so glad she's here sharing with us now. Amanda, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you. I'm so pumped to be here. I'm really pumped too, actually. We've been chit-chatting a little bit before we hit record and we could have just kept chit-chatting before we hit record. Definitely. (laughs) Yes, correct. But, you know, we both have a lot of things going on in our lives. So I think hitting record was great. And I'm so thankful that you're here. So thank you. Let's jump into it. I'm going to ask you our first question and we ask all our guests, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you tuning in and checking in? I don't have a cycle. I, I haven't for um, a long time, um, but I love to tune in to the moon. And so I'm heading into, I think it's almost a new moon in the next few days. So um, I've been in very much like a um, decluttering and cleaning up things and tying loose ends. And that's felt really satisfying. I've sent my, I've sent some of my team, like all these emails of like, can you just make sure you do it this way? Like, you know, just noticing all the little things that, um, that you don't normally notice or care about so much the rest of the month. Um, that's felt fun and organized. Mm, I like that. And I'm, I'm glad you're tracking with the moon because it's so insightful. And if you're open to it, I'd love to ask you a question. How do you actually feel tracking with the moon? Do you feel the full dynamics of the moon? And did it take you a long time to kind of find that flow after no longer having a cycle or did it kind of come really naturally to you? Yeah. Um, no, it took a long time. It took a long time to feel anything and to tune into anything. Um, and it also took a long time to grieve, I think. And, and I didn't process that for a long time. Um, I just noticed that I was starting to feel quite uh, like a little bit triggered or upset every time people were talking about, you know, tuning in and living with your cycle. And I'd be like, well, but I don't get to do that. <laughs> and, and so I felt like there was quite a bit of it that I had to kind of process. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it. I love it now. And I've, I've made a really conscious effort at, at the beginning of this year to tune in with the, with the moon. And I have 
I've got this binder and I've printed off um, every like this beautiful journal that that tells me all of the dates and has journal prompts and things like that. And um, it's been, oh, it's been incredible actually. The the way that it's it's validated how I'm feeling month to month, the space that it's giving me, um, all the things that I know is so supportive in tracking the menstrual cycle. I'm I feel like I'm finally getting to to experience a lot of that with the moon, um, and I do feel like it's really quite embodied in even energy levels and um yeah all sorts of things beautiful Mm, I love that thank you for answering and sharing the moon who would have thought that this thing floating well up above earth is potentially governing our emotions and energy and our direction so I love that thank you for sharing that's okay now there's going to be a lot of people who are meeting you for the first time and I'm so excited that they're meeting you for the first time right now here in this conversation. And before we hit record, record when we jumped on, I was like, oh my God, I have to admit, I've been following you for a while. And like we discovered, it's been a long time for probably like eight to 10 years. And it's beautiful to actually chat with you because I know a lot about what you do and who you are and what your mission and vision is in the world but there's going to be so many people who are tuning in to listen about, well, how can we better support our youth of today and how can we guide them and support them around the menstrual cycle through the change of menarche and puberty and all the things that come with that uncomfortable and awkward time of the, of, of life cycle change. But I'm so glad that you're here and you're going to share all of that with us. So for those who don't know you, Amanda, who are you and how did you become a youth mentor and how did you actually create a program in training youth mentors? Hmm. Ah, I'm just so excited to be here with you. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, Okay. So uh, my business shine from within turned 10 last year. So we have been around for a while and and it started with programs for teen girls uh, and tween girls and um, all around personal development, holistic wellness, all the things that I wish I knew when I was a young person. And I came to do this work um, because when I was in my early twenties, I was, um, living a very, uh, busy life. You know, I was so focused on achieving the things that I thought you're supposed to do and, um, a massive people pleaser and, um, all the things that I'm sure a lot of people will resonate with at, at that time. Um, and I had, I had graduated uni, I'd gone and um, was doing a bit of modeling overseas. And so we're seeing a lot of, a lot of people around me with body image issues and eating disorders and things like that as well. Um, And just, just feeling really just quite conscious of, of that industry and um, the patriarchy and all of those sorts of things, even though I didn't have the language for it at that time. Mm. Yeah. But looking back, you kind of go, oh yeah, wow. It was, it was all about um, being, being silent Uh, and um, yeah, it was an interesting time, Um, but it was a fun, it was a fun adventure to go and do that. And but while I was over there, I I found a lump on my neck and, and I came back and um, I I ended up having stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma um, at 24. And so that sort of put me on this path of, of, um, natural health and wellness and learning all the stuff about our bodies and learning about tuning into the cycle and learning about um, the pill and kind of going, Oh, wow. I just, I jumped on that. I just was put on that quite early for my skin. And, and um, so I was kind of learning and unlearning a lot of stuff. And by the time I got through that, that experience, I just felt so, so called to share some of the stuff that I'd learned with young people. And I really wanted to introduce them to a lot of the experts and things that I was kind of coming across um, so that they got to learn more about their values and tapping into what it is that they really want to do in this life and um, taking care of their beautiful vessels that they're here in the world with. And um, yeah, so that, so that's where, it, that's where it really came from. That was the big driving passion for it. And I had always worked with teens. Uh, I, I just didn't think that I would do it as a career. I had kind of no plans of it being my, my thing. But after that experience, it's all I could think about. And I would write full holiday programs and these retreats and experiences where they got to do, you know, they got to sit in circle and talk about their periods and um, products and things like that. Um, But they also got to go to the beach and do yoga and they also learned job interview skills and do a photo shoot and all sorts of stuff. So it was really, yeah, it was, 
um, it is fun and it was fun. Um, and I think it's, it's probably evolved a little bit over those 10 years. Uh, well, it, it definitely has. Um, and I, I feel like a lot more of it now is around uh, not so much teaching them anything necessarily or um, not only teaching them things, but just holding space for them to um, to discuss and share with each other because that's always where the magic is. You know, we can, we can go into um, programs and experiences with them um, and start the conversation, but the best stuff, yeah, always comes from them. Mm, and I think too, when you give that age bracket a place to feel heard, they love to share. Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your journey and your mm. desire and, you know, beautiful intuition to, to teach and support this particular age bracket, because I feel in women's health, it's a very, um, I was the first word that came to mind was empty and that is the wrong word, <laughs> but it's an unfulfilled area of support. And I feel that for us to support the future women and the future mothers and the future menopausal Margo women, we have to always go back to how things begin at Menarch. And this is why I love working with, you know, teens and tweens. Like we even have tweens now as a, like as a label for an age bracket, which is crazy. But I feel that if we can really turn up for them and give them the guidance and support that we once maybe never had, that's healing the red thread. Mm. And I'd love to, because people are like, well, my red thread was this. And I, you know, wish my mom had taught me how to use tampons and my school should have taught period ed. And I'm like, well, it's actually not the school's responsibility. Um, so what's your uh, like insight on that with the need for support for this age bracket? Mm. Yeah, there's something I'm very passionate about. Um, yeah, I, I just Rift think on it. You, yeah. you open, open forum, go for it. <laughs> Get it off your chest. Yes. Listen to me rant. Um, I do. I just think we need so much more support for young people. I think every young person needs um, a mentor or two in their life. I think, you know, we've moved so far away from the village atmosphere and those sorts of things. And, and when young people get to around 14 or 15, and of course it's different for, for all different ages, uh, for all different, you know, humans, um, but as a, as a guide around that age is when they really start to not necessarily see their parents as the expert anymore or as the person that teaches them things and they're looking for other places to, to have that. Um, they're still wanting that support. They're still wanting boundaries. They're still wanting mentoring and guidance um, and space for them but they're often just looking um, outwardly for that and it's also a time when they're really looking for looking to their peers as as being the place of, of having more um, authority really than anywhere else and so um, that's where group mentoring can be so so supportive too is is like you said when you're holding that space for them to um to share with each other, to, to feel heard, to realize that their, their problems are not, um, they're not the only ones going through those things. It's so, so, um, magical and powerful because that's a really big part of, of adolescent development is that feeling of like, no one else could possibly know what I'm going through. And I'm the only one going through this and no one gets me and, um, whatever we can do to create spaces where, where they do feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one that can be really helpful. Um, yeah. And in terms of, of Menarch and, and tuning in with the cycle and things like that, I love what you shared there about, um, you know, it's not necessarily the responsibility of, of the schools or of, um, I mean, it's, I feel like it's all of our responsibilities, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a community thing. It's a, mm. it's, um, we could all be part of that. And um, yeah, there are wonderful programs that do go in and, and speak in schools. And I know you do that as well. Um, and there are period education programs, but um, the things that I see with the teens I work with is that a lot of the time they still haven't even been introduced at all to living in tune with their cycle, to celebrating it, to feeling really um, connected to it and, and that this is a really beautiful thing. Um, yeah, and, there's, and it's still just kind of this, yeah, this, this burden in their life. And 
I think the ones that do start to explore and, and seek that information out and, and love to learn about this stuff, about cyclical living and tuning in with the body and um, living with the seasons and all of those beautiful things, it's, um, it's beautiful and it's amazing that they become aware of that. But they're in a situation in their life where society is so, um, their lives are often so scheduled, so, so highly scheduled and school's not giving them, you know, time away to, to rest and things like that. They've got deadlines and things like that. So it's, it's such an interesting time because they don't have a lot of control over their timetable, over the resources that they have in their world and what they can purchase and what they can, can bring into their lives necessarily. Um, some of course, but not, not complete kind of autonomy there. Mm. Um, they don't have control over the food necessarily on the table at home or, um, they've got so many different messages kind of coming at them. And so even when we do provide these spaces and education and, um, connection around living in tune with this cycle, it's actually kind of hard in the world that we're in right now. Um, depending on the sort of environments that they're in, of course, like, Yeah. I find there's there's quite a bit of difference between young people that are um, you know homeschooled or they're in conventional schooling or they're at a Steiner or Montessori school. It's all kind of quite different across the board. So yeah, I mean there's there's nothing that I'll share today that's that's across the board for teens because they're all just mini humans that are so unique and magical mm, and very individual. Yes, like very individual and. I always like to say like, there's no cook, like one cookie cutter approach. There's mm -hmm. really person to person, or I found teaching in schools, it's really school to school and the school's ethos and community is very much represented in the, the students, you know, not being a mother myself and having kids of my own in schools. I can definitely see that from working with kids and you're right. Like it's very independent and it's not a great playground for them in creating their own decisions because there's not full support. It's not like, okay, well, here's the money to go buy the food. Well, how do they get to the place to buy the food? Like they don't have a driver's license yet and they can't buy everything on a bike and maybe they don't leave riding distance. And so there's a lot of, you know, confusion I can, I definitely see. And something that I definitely see in schools is helplessness, particularly mm. around the menstrual cycle is like, well, why does this have to happen to me? And I would love to ask you the question before sharing the rest of that story. When you're like, cause I'm sure you've come across many, many teens and tweens in your time, but what do you feel the average age of menstruation or menarche beginning? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure actually. I mean, I was listening to your podcast yesterday and <laughs> What did I say then? <laughs> oh, there was something around, you know, like six or seven is kind of, mm. is quite common. And I'm, I'm looking at my, my emails because I asked some of the teens I work with for their experiences, um, you know, leading into this, this interview. And one of them did say when she got it, but she just said that she was really young and, and that there was a lot that she wished that she kind of knew around, um, uh, she felt a lot of pressure. I noticed that in her friends, there was a lot of pressure around feeling less or more feminine and things like that too. Mm. Yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add? No, that's it. I don't have an answer to the <laughs> what age. <laughs> that's okay. Well, it's interesting. It's just for me, it's very interesting to see because, you know, the in inverted brackets, the traditional age. So if we go back to the age of, the last 100, 200, 300 years, it's really been around 13. Like that's the, like the age bracket. Whereas girls as young as seven or those born female as young as seven are menstruating these days. And that's half of that lifetime of a 13 year old. Like that's a lot of time. Yeah. And so the common thing I, and I, it's not like I've just heard of one seven year old. I've heard of handfuls of seven year olds in schools and the helplessness is like, well, why me? Like I was just a kid. Like, why did I have to happen? Like, I didn't want to be a woman at seven, mm. you know, and then now 13, 14, 15. And this is why I, and I'd love to get your insight onto what you share with your youth mentors and how they can turn up as beautiful mentors and what they can do to support. But I'm a big believer that from the get-go, menstrual education starts at birth. It doesn't start 
oh, well, this is the time we talk about the birds and the bees. Let's pull out all the old books or let's get out the posters or let mum pull out our tampons from the cupboard. You know, it's, <laughs> I really feel it's something that we can educate around on birth. And that's little things like the mum tracking her cycle or the parents or the adults in the living situation discussing the cyclical nature of the parents, leaving cups or discs or, you know, any kind of menstrual thing around. Um, my friend Rosie Rees would say leaving around your, you know, anal plug on the, you know, like all of these <laughs> random things, yeah. um, you know, or your, your rose quartz, you know, dildo or whatever, so that they become conversational because instead of them being shunned and hidden, if they're conversational from the get-go, this is just a part of life. It's not something that's different to life. So what are your supporting mechanisms? Do you have, you could have pillars, you could have <laughs> categories, um, whatever you've got. What is your recommendations for those who are youth mentors and those who are youth mentors and also parents in supporting that age bracket in becoming women? Hmm. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much there. And I love that, that, um, uh, yeah, highlighting just keeping it normal, conversational, just bringing it all, all in, um, in everyday life. It's always going to be better than a, a one-off workshop where then they're going home and, and nothing's changed at home. And that's something that's come up quite a bit in conversations with youth mentors lately actually is, um, they're looking at ways, some of them are working quite a bit with parents now too, because, you know, it's it's challenging to introduce new concepts or get them get the young people on board with things and and then they go home and and there's nothing um, different there um, or they're just you know not across it. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's so much we can do. I think the the biggest thing um, that comes up the most when I ask young people what do they need from the adults around them and what support do they need is they just want space to feel heard and validated. They don't. They don't necessarily want um, advice or um, uh, to hear what you were going through at that time. Like sometimes those stories can be so, so supportive and um, and validating and incredible. But um, a lot of the time they've got so many adults around them that are telling them how to do things or what to do that if they find one that just listens and and kind of treats them like the whole human that they are and, and just asks them what they need um, in that moment, that can be so, so supportive. And, um, and that's actually really hard to do as uh, that's much easier to do as a mentor that's outside of their normal world too. It's, it's much easier for me to go in and work with a young person and um, chat with them and have those conversations because I'm not seeing them through the lens of a loving mother that wants the, you know, that knows every single thing about them and wants to fix everything and make, make their life absolutely perfect and um, love them up and, and, rally against the person that gave them a hard time at school and all of those things it's actually really like it's impossible to do those things when you're so invested and and in love with with the young people so I think having other mentors around can be can be so so supportive um Mm. yeah it's it's been interesting seeing the responses I've got from my my questions to the teens actually about their experience with men up because the two responses that I got or from sisters. And so they're in the same environment, the same household, the same school, um, the same upbringing, everything's the same, but their experiences were so, so different. And one of them was really, she's always really conscious of where she is in her cycle. Um, she embraces moments of motivation and being gentle with her body and mind when she's feeling uh, like, like that she needs that. Um, and she said she got a period quite young and it wasn't celebrated, but it was just accepted as a, as a normal thing. Um, and she said, my, my final piece of advice would be to be kind to your body and mind during a cycle, being aware of your body, noticing what makes you feel better, um, and encouraging conversation with, with their friends and with each other too. Cause it's still, she mentioned that it still feels like a taboo topic. Um, and then her sister was, was, um, is a little bit older and she was like, I just think it's, it just feels like it's a burden. It annoys me. I get cramping. I don't like it. I, you know, that real, I wish I never kind of had it experience, mm. um, which I found, yeah, just so interesting to think that the, that it's still going to be so, so individual, no matter what 
support or environment we're creating at home too. Like people are still just going to have their experience and that's valid and important to kind of acknowledge too, I think, and work with them to see what it is that they want next and what's going to be supportive. And then the other parts to it are, of course, the tools, you know, providing lots of tools and resources and support for them. Um, the biggest thing I think for for people wanting to work with young people is really understanding the duty of care kind of stuff, where they're at psychologically, recognizing that uh, if they're a little bit on the younger side, like the tweens, they they um, they're such concrete thinkers, they can't think abstractly, and so you've got to explain things in in a particular way, in a different way to what you would at a sort of sixteen or seventeen year old. Um, knowing what kind of things to look out for where they might need more support too and and having those resources in place as well um yeah there's so much I feel like I'll just keep talking so ask me more questions <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I love feel like it. I'm rambling <laughs> I love it no you're not rambling this is fantastic today's episode is brought to you by my signature membership program the well women academy would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle live with natural fertility and contraception understand ovulation, master menstruation, and live cyclically? Well, I've got an answer for all of your questions. The Menstrual Cycle Membership is here. The Well Women Academy is a monthly membership where together we study things like the cycle, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, natural contraception, the feminine, eating and moving through your cycle, and lots more. Yep, it's the number one place to discover how to end your cycle signs, live in tune with your cycle for good. For less than $2 a day each month, you'll access over 180 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats like written, audio, video, and a guided home study. Not to mention every membership gives back with a menstrual cup to menstruators in need thanks to our commitment with the COVA project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as together we awaken our cycles, reconnect with our bodies, and you become guided to live more cyclically. Use the code word podcast to receive 50% off your first month. To learn more and join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. I really, well, firstly, I love that you reached out to the teens because it's always better when you come straight from the source, you know? Yeah. It's like, don't read the, don't watch the news online, go straight to the source. And I think it's interesting because even if you're a born identical twin, your lived experience is very different. And I actually practice yoga with two born identical twins and I don't know their age bracket, but I would say they're in their fifties for two women and so different. Like they do the same practice. They probably have very similar lifestyles. They're really great, obviously friends. I shouldn't say obviously because not every twin could be a great friend to another twin, but who knows? Um, I'm not a twin, so I can't really comment. So <laughs> so when it it's interesting, like even if you're an identical twin, is that I am positive that their menstrual cycle experience and their outlook on the, on life and how they see themselves in the world is different. And, you know, there's so much that goes into play and we're not, you know, analysts on that area. So we can leave it there. But I really love also how you mentioned that for teens and tweens, it's very common. I, I, I don't know why this is so stereotyping, but I, I just automatically think of like a European family and like the nonna's going, oh, well, for me, it was like this and this happened and you should do this and this worked for me. And then the other one saying that, you know, <laughs> and all the aunties chipping in because it's such a big family and I feel that that experience for teens is very um, it's like suppressive, like because they're not feeling heard. So therefore they don't feel like they can have a true voice. This is just my outlook. So I'd love to get yours. They don't feel like they have a true voice and their voice isn't obviously valid because they're being told, well, this experience was better and you should do it this way. Instead of being like, wow, thank you for opening and being vulnerable and we hear you. What would you like to be the next step? You know, really providing that openness and it reminds me, Amanda, of pregnancy and that every mm. single person who's like, oh, well, this is what happened in my pregnancy. And then when I gave birth, this happened. So make sure you do this. And this is like, I didn't actually ask for your opinion. And you didn't once <laughs> ask me any questions. You just felt like you all of a sudden had a platform you could share when really you don't. <laughs> 
And I find it's in, I'm bringing up the pregnancy thing because I really believe that every stage of the menstrual cycle or a woman's life cycle, there's a rite of passage that this happens to. So the projection of stories and the projection of opinions. And I don't know why, but I just really feel it's because women don't feel heard. And if they had a felt heard in that full experience, they wouldn't feel the need to vomit it on someone else later. <laughs> you know, like, why are you even doing this? So to lead on from that, and now I'm rambling, but to lead on from that, there's a, when you look at the life cycle as a wheel, something that I teach inside level two for cyclical school, also in my retreats is that the opposite of menarche is menopause. And however you have your experience of menopause and whatever that may be, you know, I didn't love my experience and here, look at me. I talk about periods every day. So like it can be rewritten, but if it's not rewritten, it will be repeated at menopause. And so if you feel really shunned and belittled during your menarche experience and you don't feel supported or heard or held, then that's really going to be what probably happens for you during your pregnancy. Or if you choose to have pregnancies or you have the availability of that or menopause. And so I always love to say that how you enter your menarche years will be repeated in menopause unless something changes. And knowing that they're the opposite, most like young teens and tweens their parents or their, their mothers, if they have a mother is menopausal or in that menopausal time. And so she is resurfacing the triggering amounts of whatever happened for her in her menarch journey. Again, she's reliving the experience whilst she probably has a daughter that needs support in menarch. And so it's like for the, for the adult woman, it's like a clusterfuck, excuse my language, unless they've actually <laughs> spend time learning about their cycle because they're like, how do I support my daughter when I wasn't even supported? No one taught me. And then how do I deal with this menopause thing when everyone else says it's a terrible experience? So it's a real like messy situation. And that's why in a lot of um, traditions around the world and cultures, it's the marga woman, that post-menopausal woman, the grandmother, who is actually one of the best supporters of the granddaughter. And there's a real healing in that because that, oh, I'm getting shivers. That granddaughter was once in that grandmother, especially if it's through the lineage of the, of the women in the family. Um, and if not, the seed was once in the grandmother, you know, of the, of the father. And so there's a really beautiful connection there. Um, and I think they provide really great supporters, but what's your like outlook or insight into any of the things I just rambled on about for probably too long too. <laughs> Oh, I love all of that. I'm getting shivers too. And um, oh, it's, it, it's also beautiful. And, and I think, I think there can be so, there is also so much power in the storytelling and, and of course, you know, getting to share through the lineages and, and things like that. I, I don't want to um, suggest that, you know, older women in the family shouldn't share their stories too. I think there's, that can be such a beautiful part of the rite of passage, you know, setting that up in a, in a really beautiful nurturing way and um, where, where people do do share and, and there can be so much learning and healing that can come through storytelling as, as we know. Um, yeah. But picturing, picturing the nonnas kind of <laughs> telling you what Sorry, they I have are. some bizarre analogies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that too, because that's one of the, that's such a big thing to keep in mind with teens is that they're so quick to, um, they can be so quick to shut down when they just feel like someone else, some other adult is telling them what to do and not listening to their experience. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. And they've got so many adults in their life that have to be that way, you know, teachers, coaches, parents, everyone does have to kind of put boundaries in place for them and, and, and do that for them. So it's not like we can get away with not doing that, but um, it, it just, it highlights the, how special it can be and how deeply appreciated it can be for the young person, for the, for the girl or the boy or the, um, however they identify to, to have that space to, um, to be heard. And it, and it feels so adult for them, you know, to be like, mm-hmm. oh, what, wait, I get to kind of think about how it makes me feel and how I might like to feel supported next. Like it's such a beautiful way to, start to encourage that self-awareness and that self-determination and self-leadership 
Um, and I think, as you said, if, if we can, if we can be exploring and nurturing that during those years, then um, hopefully it's not so much of a clusterfuck at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like menopause is actually the amplification of motherhood. Like it's the next it's like motherhood on steroids, like the, the, what you can receive from it can be really, really magical and powerful. And I know we both know Julesie Parker and she talks about that a lot. And I love that about her, you know, being, we need more MAGA role models, which is, mm. you know, the, the, what's, I was going to say label. I don't like labels, but it's the name of, you know, the woman in that era of her life. And they are the women who, excuse my language, but they just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I've been there. I've done there. I've cared about things too much. And now this is who I am. This is how I dress. And I don't give a fuck if you don't like it. And I love that. And we definitely need more of it. And I think a great segue here is the power of circle. And I feel I just had a vision when you were sharing about like the nonnas. But imagine if we had families who sat in circle with the multiple of generations, can also be like aunties, uncles, et cetera, who just shared it was a sharing circle and we just shared the story. And I think circles are very powerful. That's why I love holding and hosting circle. But um, my teacher Jane would say that the circle is the shaman, hmm. you know, the, 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 the shaman or the shamanicness of the circle comes from the circle itself. And that every single person in the circle is a student and every single person in the circle is a teacher. And that's, I really love that because imagine if a whole family sat in a circle with, you know, I'm one of 24 cousins and it would be a really big freaking circle if we all sat in a circle together, you know, with aunties and uncles and everyone. And we shared our experiences of that time of our life to be a teen or a tween. Wow. That might give me a totally different outlook as to like why my mom's like that yeah. and why my nonna's like this. So let's talk about circles. Like what have you noticed around circle what do you do to host circle um do teens and tweens like circles like give us a give us a little insight into circles and anything else you want to add yeah yeah cool um I love that you know that the very nature of a circle where everyone is sort of on equal footing is is so valuable again in in this space with with young people because when you're working with with children and people minors essentially there is that power dynamic and it's and it's always going to be there you know we are in this position of of power um when we're with young people um and so we can make a choice to to do whatever we can to try to balance that out um but it's something that we have to be so so mindful of because um they are still developing and um and can be so impressionable and all of those things and and so um i think circles can be really wonderful powerful experiences um, but mostly because they will share with each other and they get so so much um, out of that and whenever I've hosted um, I've, I've hosted lots of circles for teens and tweens and um, she's lost count yeah too many and and a lot of the youth mentors that we've trained in the youth mentor training that's kind of what they do now too is running circles and I do a lot of I kind of run like four or five circles almost every week on zoom with teams um so just love it you can do it online too of course but um it doesn't matter the age gap it doesn't matter um how they identify they to have the space where they get to feel heard and share what's going on for them is always so so powerful and again they they value the opinion of their peers so much more um quite often or certainly for a period of adolescence um that they can just learn so much from each other in that way too. And the older ones always love being able to share th insightful things with the younger ones and the younger ones love looking up to the older ones and, and asking their opinion on things too. And to feel like they're part of the group and, and are just as valuable as, as anyone else, regardless of age or gender or um, um, status in school or whatever else might come up. Um, yeah. So it's, it's so valuable. And I think it's, um, I think it links in really beautifully with what you were talking about with rites of passage too, you know, creating these, creating experiences where they do get to share in circle, um, express their thoughts and opinions. You know, those teen years are, are such a big time of discovering 
who you are, who you want to be in the world, how you want to show up in the world. And so any opportunity we can provide that's, um, you know, fairly safe for them to express their identity and their thoughts and opinions, even if that might change completely the next day, is such great practice and groundwork for them to start to really get to know who they are. And yeah, that's where circles can be so great. And it's really nice, I think, for mentors, facilitators, coaches, um, families, like you said, to to, um, to set that up too, because, um, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes we get so stressed out about um, not knowing the right thing to say or not having the, the, um, all the answers for, for, for young people and for, for anyone really. But when it's a circle, you know that you're showing up, you know that you're going to hold the space, you know that you've got that container and um, and that you've got no idea what's going to come up and that's okay and it's going to be fine and the right people will be there and the right things will come up and they'll get that support. Mm. The healing of the circle. Yeah, so um, healing. <laughs> I don't know why I just put a bit of a voice on then, but yes, the healing of I the like circle. I like it. Um, they really can be powerful. So if you are listening to this and you've never had a circle or you don't even know what a circle is, I would be like finding friends who have been to a circle, look on Facebook group events. I think events in general are good. Um, or reach out to Amanda or I and to find out what, like, when's the next circle? How can I be a part? But it's really, I think circles can be very healing and women traditionally always sat in circle and, you know, women's business was done in circle. And I think we can you know, also improve a lot of men by having men's circles too. So not that men need improving, but you know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, maybe they do. Well, maybe they do. Um, now you mentioned about the youth mentor training. So tell us about this and why do you feel it's vitally important right now for the world to have youth mentors? Oh, that's a, a really great question. Clinical question. Yes. Why right now? There are, I think it's 1.6 um, billion teens in the world right now. In some countries, Ooh. they make up more than 50% of the population, not Australia, other countries, um, <laughs> a lot of Africa. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, they're the, yeah. They're, they're the future. They're going through a lot right now. There's just, there's so much for them to be grappling with right now. And um, we can have, it's easy for us to assume what we think they might need. Um, but looking at even here in Australia, if, if you look at the Mission Australia uh, report that they do every year on a, where they interview about 20,000 teens, um, they list out the top three most pressing concerns for young people. And last year's one was like um, COVID was in there, but also, of course, um, but also the uh, the environment and um, equity and discrimination. They were the things mm. that, that were most important to young people. Whereas a few years prior to that, it was more um, school stress, body image. There were things like that were kind of coming up quite often in the top three. Um, so I feel like there's been a real shift over the last few years um, in this country, at least. But I feel like it's 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 probably pretty um pretty global from from the mentors that we've had come through the training from about thirty different countries or something, um, that you know they're so they're so hooked into what's happening around the world. They've they've got so much access to information, of course, um, and that they're really concerned and sad and scared and um, and they've just been through such an ordeal over the last couple of years too of of not being able to do the things that they might want to do and um, losing even more control um, in their world and um, having some of their rites of passages experiences just thwarted or, or cancelled completely you know there's been so so much for them to go through and then for the younger ones coming through you know it can just it can just be so I've just seen it over and over again with thousands of young people that having some kind of a mentor or group experiences or just like a, a third space, another space where they can feel um, connected, heard, nurtured so that when there's an issue at school or when something's going on at home, they've just got this other place they can go where there's another group of people that just get them, accept them, however they are, um, or they've got that other kind of adult that they can kind of tap into. Um, mm. So I just, I just think every young person should have a mentor of some kind in their life 
And we know that there's, you know, the increase in mental health stuff is um, rampant. We know that waiting times and all of that, when it, when it comes to that, needing that extra support is, is really challenging at the moment too. Um, and so mentoring, I see as really sitting in that preventative space. It's, it's, it's not therapy. It's, it's not um, counseling. It's about just um, this holding space and, and helping them feel okay. Um, so that they don't get to a point where they might need more help. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really important <laughs> distinction too, because a big part of being a mentor is knowing when someone needs much more support too, yeah. right, than what we can offer. Yeah, what's in the scope, what's out of the scope. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so important. Yeah, I like to say like what's in the scoop of ice cream, what's not in the scoop of ice cream, like what can we eat, what can't we eat, and sometimes you can't eat all of the cake. And so it's very similar in menstrual cycle coaching and education. Like it's that fine line. And I love your definition of it being, you know, we're not counselors, you know, we're not going to do it for them, but we can be that guiding help and support. And I feel that it's really what they need. You know, yeah. they, they need, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe you want to use this as a slogan or something, but it's like <laughs> the school teach your favorite school teacher in your pocket all the time. Yeah, that's nice. They all you know have that? one of those. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has their favorite school teacher and it's like, oh, well, I just can't wait for that class because that's the teacher. And imagine if you had someone that you could have a relationship like that with, but more of the time and you could turn to them and rely on them when you need them instead of only when you're in their class, so to speak. So I love that. And I a hundred percent agree that I didn't realize like one point, what do they say? 6 billion people are yeah. a teen tween age. God, I'd hate to do that. Like, I probably would love it, but I'm not good with math. So I would hate to do the math to work out, well, how many every year are actually starting going through MENA? Because I'm sure that would be a really big number. Yeah. But my next question, and, um, you know, we'll wrap up soon because I don't want to keep you forever. But um, the next question I'd love to ask you is, well, how can mentoring actually support young teens and tweens? So how how does it, what does that look like? Like, what is it that they actually do? Because is it just like the buddy system? Like I'm in your one and you're in your seven and you just show me where the classroom is or like, what is it? How do they actually support? And then share with us if you wanted to become a youth mentor and support this beautiful age bracket, it's kind of like healing your younger self in the journey too. How could they, how could they do that? So how can we firstly support or how does mentoring support? Sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's it's really varied in in the way that it can come to life and um we do we actually have a we've got a free quiz actually to figure out your youth mentor archetype where you can yeah yeah so I'll I'll share the link of that with you if you like um because you figure out whether you would be whether you're more of a mama bear or more of a motivational speaker or more of a um natural educator there's there's five different archetypes but um as you said that so much of it can be around um, healing yourself too. And so I think the, the first part when it comes to being a mentor is tapping into the values that you have, the lived experiences that you've had um, and how you want to hold space and, and show up for young people, because it's, it can, um, as I said, it can be so varied. So some of our mentors really work a lot, just one-on-one. So almost just like a coaching series, like six sessions over three months and they, they tap in on zoom or, or in person some do a lot in schools, like one of our mentors gets paid by a school to go into school and um, she mentors 12 kids, I think, um, each week. And they're kind of the kids in grades, maybe six or seven. Um, and they've been hand selected by the school as, as needing a little bit more support, but she gets to then just mentor them and the, the kids don't have to pay, the parents don't have to pay. It's funded funded by a philanthropist and then delivered through the school. So she I kind of gets that. to do that. Yeah. It's so cool. It's she does it from home too over Zoom, and they've set up this special room at the school, and there's like a buddy system that take them down to sit, get them set up on the computer, and then she goes in sometimes as well to hang out in the fairy garden with them. <laughs> um, I want a fairy garden. <laughs> I know, me too. It's great. Yeah, and then there's more. Um, as I said as well today, you know, group mentoring can be so is so powerful in, in this age group. And so that could look like running week-long teen retreats, um, running, you know, weekly circles, 
Um, it can be going in and running like a 10-week a program or a six-week program at a school or doing like the talks that you do. Um, there's absolutely peer-to-peer mentoring as well, which you touched on too, of like a buddy system. Um, and so one of our mentors in the Ukraine actually has set up a, um, a peer mentoring system where uh, teens that have just graduated in the last couple of years get paired up with a high school student um, either in Ukraine or um, occupied territories or migrants living somewhere else. And um, they spend, uh, I think it's three months together for this particular program where they've just got this one person that they can call anytime and they connect over telegram and messaging and things like that too. Um, and then there are longer forms of that too. I think Ray's program here in Australia, they do um, a, a mentoring system where any adults can apply to be a volunteer and you get paired up with one school student for the whole year and you meet with them once a week. Um, yeah, so there's, just, there's so much that you can do and there's so many, so much variation with it, which I love because it means that we can find a way to do it that feels, you know, really fun for us too and trust that mm. the young people that need that energy are the ones that will that will find you and come to you. Um, yeah, and then I think the other part is, is also remembering to um, co-create with them as well you know see what the young people in your community are looking for what they need um, as another example one of our mentors in Mackay which is in regional Queensland um, she just found she's a mom of five kids I think and she just found that teams there were just constantly talking about not having um, anything to do there was nothing fun to do um, and so they were getting up to mischief. So she set up the teen shed and has got government funding and, and is running all these wonderful free programs and circles and things every single week, study days, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. So it's I love that. Endless really. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It really can be just goes to show that, you know, you're not limited. There's no limitations, Yeah. you know, except for your scoop of practice, but anyway, yes. there's, um, <laughs> the opportunities really are endless, especially if you think outside the box. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I love that creatrix of the, of thinking outside of the box. I love this. Okay. Thank you for being here and sharing all of this amazing goodiness. I um would love to ask you two final questions. Okay. First one, if a youth is listening to this and they're like, I really would love it, a mentor. Or how can I get mentored? Or what can I do to support myself right now? What are three, maybe five, but you can do three top things you would recommend for them to like take action on? So what are some steps they could do to seeking some support, feeling heard? Yeah, I love that. Um, I would recommend doing a search, seeing if you can find a youth mentor in your in your area. We've got a directory at, um, at shinefromwithin.com.au of, of mentors around the place. Um, I think it's still it's still one of those things, though, that isn't fully ingrained yet that as, as a thing. Um, and so mm. there can be a bit of education around that too. Um, and so also look for things like youth coaches or um, things like that can be really supportive too. Um, and then I think the piece about, you know, what can they do to feel heard is, um, not be afraid to ask for that, you know, actually sitting, sitting down your, your parents or, or someone and saying, you know, I, I just, I don't need any advice right now. Um, but I'd love to share this with you and, and actually, um, yeah, making it really clear what, what you need. Mm. I mean, so many young people that I'm in connection with in our online academy, which would be a place they could come and check out too, actually. It's like a little a little community online where we do check-ins every Sunday, which is kind of our circle, and we do co-art and co-study each week, and then they ask for whatever classes they want and, and come along to those. It's very, it's, they kind of run it and, and lead it. Um, yeah, a few of them have, have, have made me realise that um, a lot of young people know this stuff already too, you know, depending on the the people they're following on TikTok and things like that, they can be really in tune with a lot of this stuff. Um, and it's just kind of ingrained already to, to be, to be able to share their identities, to ask for what they need to, um, to feel heard, to call someone out if they're not being heard, you know, some of this stuff mm. can actually be <laughs> um, very topical for, for young people. And then it's more about us adults kind of getting on board with that, I suppose. And, um letting them go 
Yeah. I think the other thing that comes to mind too, when I think about those teens is how supportive journaling has been for a lot of them to, to kind of um, just track how they're feeling and, and tap in, but yeah, see what you can do to find a mentor. And if you can't find someone, um, just keep an eye out for like adults around you and see if there's someone that you could ask to kind of be a casual mentor with you um, because it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a formal thing. You know, we can, um, like you said, you can have that favorite teacher. You can have the netball coach. You can have the, um, the auntie, you know, that there's plenty of adults around you that probably really love you and would love to be more involved in your life. And mm. if you ask that of them, gosh, they would be so happy. <laughs> mm, great advice. Really great advice. And I love when you said that as a, as a teen in a share, especially with a parent or a guardian, you know, prefacing it with like, like, I don't need your advice. I just want to share this with you. And I think as an adult, your responsibility here is to ask, would you like any advice on that before making yourself feel good by giving advice? <laughs> um, so I let, yeah, I made a little note about that. Like, well, would you like advice on that? Because sometimes they can say no and you have to put their needs before yours. And I think that's really beautiful. So thank you for sharing. And yes, definitely send me a link for the Academy so I can pop that in our show notes. Oh, Which makes me think about our show notes. How can people actually find you? How can they learn about all the things that you do, your book, your programs, your circles, your retreats, all of that? How? What's the best avenue um, for people to hang out with you? Yeah, it would just be uh, shinefromwithin.com.au or at shinefromwithinhq on Instagram or shinefromwithin on Facebook. Um, you'll find us, yeah, you'll find us there. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just so excited to get to chat about this kind of stuff and and I feel like there's so much um, alignment here, you know, like I can mm. just, I can imagine so many of the youth mentors that have done our certification would love to learn more about cyclical living and kind of you know, blend that, that together and bring that into the work that they're doing. I'm so um, in awe of everything that you've built and the work that you do in the world. So um, I'm very honored to be here. <laughs> right back at you, right back at you. Thank you. Um, I'd also like to add to that something you mentioned about journaling, something that I love to give the kids is a printable cycle tracker. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer that using a written cycle tracker is very, very, it's like a science project. Like you print them all out and then over like three to six cycles, you're like, whoa, this is my body on paper. Like, this is really cool. And so I really encourage all youths to do that. Um, and I'm working on something very special for them to be able to do that online and on a written tracker too. But, um, yeah, that's my add in to all of the beautiful things that you mentioned, um, great places. And I, you know, I would have been too shy, I think, to ask, would you mind being my mentor? But, you know, you got nothing to lose. You didn't have one before. And if you ask and they say, no, you can find someone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, ask the question. Mm, mm, well, just like, think of them as your mentor anyway. Totally. It doesn't have to be a label. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Um, this has been amazing. I do have one final question for you and I'm going to put all of those links in our show notes. So thank you, including a link to your book, which we didn't even talk about, but we're, we're going to switch gears here. So I want okay. you to think back to, it's a podcast question. We ask every, I don't know whether you heard this in the last episode. Oh, I don't know if I got right to the end. <laughs> so I want you to think back. Um, Amanda to your younger menstrual self so you as a teen tween going through your menarch I'm really interested to hear what you say as a response to this but what are three things no pressure that you wish that you knew about your cycle back then that you now know today that it's a privilege mm. I haven't had it for a really long time um, that it is magical. Like it can just add so much, um, so much understanding to your life. I think as a teen, um, and I, and I see this so much with our teens, with all the teens we work with is you just want to, it's so exciting to learn more about yourself, whether, whatever the personality test is, whatever the, whatever you can learn <laughs> is incredible. And so this is another wonderful way to just, to just tap into to who you are. Like you said, see your body on paper. Um, so yeah, track, track it see it as magical it's a privilege and um get educated 
yeah, get educated. Like I was put on the pill so young just to clear up my skin, things like that, where you just, there's no one knew any better. So that's the thing. That's the thing that we did. Um, mm. Yeah. So um, educate yourself, empower, like, yeah, equip yourself with, with the stuff. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This has been amazing. And I'm sure everyone's learned some beautiful insights and wisdom from you. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.